When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On the Broncos Sports Podcast Network from Learfield, you're listening to Off the Blue, the official podcast of the Broncos. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of Off the Blue. A lot of happenings this week in Bronco athletics, but today we're going to tell you the story of Bronco volleyball player Kaylee Pau. It's a deeply personal story of health setbacks, perseverance, and recovery. Kaylee is telling her story publicly for the first time this week, and it's a very powerful story at that. So today we talk with the junior outside hitter and her head coach, Sean Garris. Here we go. All right, Kaylee Pau, Sean Garris joining us here in the podcast studio. And uh, coach, I want to start with you. Lodi, California, Tokay High School, a three-year starter emerges. What about Kaylee did you see that you wanted to recruit? Yeah, so that's actually a really interesting story, not the traditional route for a kid to get to Boise State or for us to identify a prospect. Um, I had seen Kaylee play when she was 16. That's about the early side that we start evaluating kids. So this is uh, like spring of her sophomore year in high school. She was playing for a smaller club that didn't have a whole lot of Division One talent on their team. Um, I remember they were playing downstairs at the convention center. Like you had to work to go see her, but it was like, wow, that's a really good athlete. Um, and then didn't see her a lot after that. Uh, I think we probably, you know, would touch base with the coach, see if that kid might have any interest in coming to camp or something. And it just, it just didn't move forward with Kaylee at that time. And then her senior year, she changed clubs. She went to Rage Volleyball Club. And Rage Volleyball Club was where Jamie Lee Bolda had played club. Jamie Lee Bolda was a starting setter for us when we went to NCAAs and had a really good career here at Boise State. And her coaches knew that. Her coaches knew Jamie came up here and had success. 
grew a lot, got a degree, um, and kicked butt on the court. And so when we saw Kaylee, it was early club tournament, I think probably in February in Las Vegas. I watched her play, talked to the coach. I said, Candy, you got to come and see Kaylee. Kaylee comes over and watches her. I think three days later, Kaylee and I are both on a plane going down to Sacramento, drive down to meet with her and her mom at a Starbucks. We showed them videos of the campus, highlight video for the program, you know, some stuff like that. Went to Kaylee's club practice. I think two days later, Kaylee was in Boise visiting. And uh, when she flew back home from her visit, she was probably home for just a matter of minutes and then called me and committed. So from watching her in Vegas to her being committed probably all happened within a week, but without, with like a couple different flights for each of us and a meetup at a Starbucks. And, you know, we, once we saw her, we knew she was our kid. Then we went full court press. Like we got to go get this kid. And we're really glad that she kind of slipped through the cracks and got to that point where she was an unsigned senior. And I'm glad that she changed clubs and played for some coaches that I knew um, would be favorable about the decision to come here. And it's worked out really well. So, Kaylee, there's so much to your story that's incredible and, and inspiring, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to go back to that moment from your perspective. What was the recruiting process like? How do you regard Coach Garris and the rest of the staff as recruiters to the point that you were willing to commit here? So recruiting for me was a little different. Like sophomore year, it was like kind of brought to my attention. And then junior year, I wasn't really around that much. Like I just – it wasn't my thing. I don't know. I think – my mom definitely told me a lot of times to reach out to coaches. And of course I didn't listen to her. I was like, I got it. And then senior year in October, it was when I decided that I want to do this. I hope it's not too late. So I just needed to like put everything into it. So then in February, when we first encountered Sean and Candy, I was like, yes, this is something I want to pursue. Let me just give it a chance. And after that, it was, it was great because their hospitality, they came to my practice and then just the way that they were with me and then bringing me out right away and the whole visit here, it just felt like home. So to me, that's what made them probably the best recruiters of me because they tended to me and not just kind of like bringing this kid in. No, that's, that's incredible. And then she gets on campus, year one as a freshman, second on the team in kills, third in points. What did you see on the court first year where you're thinking – yeah, we, we made the right decision here. Yeah, so athletically, she's as elite an athlete as any outside hitter in the Mountain West Conference. She's, for starters, she's a good solid 6'3". She jumps well. She swings her arm well. So there's a lot of things to like right from the beginning. She's always kind of been a front row specialist. The ball control has not been something that we've been able to really develop. But, you know, we, we take what she can do and we leave out the rest of it. And we look forward to developing that stuff when she has a healthy offseason. But she arrived physically ready to compete at the top half of the Mountain West. So, so that was exciting. And we were replacing some really good players. We had, we had some like multi-year all-conference players that were graduating in front of her. So there was kind of a need for her to get in there and get competitive right away. And I don't think Kaylee has ever really seen herself as somebody that like, oh, I'm just going to kind of come and fit in. And, oh, you know, it'd be nice if I get some playing time. Like, no, she's, she's had a pretty good vision of, of how she can get on the court and impact matches right away. And that's what we're looking for for all of our freshmen. So, Kaylee, from your perspective, uh, we're going into Thursday. This is Leukemia Awareness Night for the program. And, and that's part of why you're here to talk. Let's go back to when you realized something was off. When did you realize something was off and when did you find out 
and learn that you had leukemia. Okay, so when I started feeling kind of bad was June, the middle of June in camp, and that night, it was about two days I let it go. And then I went in that night, the second day, and then the third day is when they had given me the diagnosis that you had leukemia. What goes on in your head in that moment? I mean, obviously, there's so much that you're balancing. I mean, that's a pretty rough moment in anyone's life, especially someone that is just starting their college experience. Um, honestly, for that first like couple hours, nothing. I had literally nothing in my mind because I was just in total shock. And then it was after I had just come to the conclusion that I wasn't going to accept it, that I needed to figure out treatment plans, kind of care plans, and also just realize like we are two months away from being in season. So I needed to get on to what can I do? What's going to happen? And that's kind of just where my mindset had to go. Now, Coach Garris, from your point of view, obviously you, you want your players to be healthy in general. Injuries happen. It's part of sports. It's never good, but it's not often that you've got a player in the peak of their physical condition that has something like that. So what goes on in your mind, and, and how do you internalize the, the care for the student-athlete? Yeah, I remember just being really shocked and unprepared for this. I, I went to our medical staff. I know specifically I went to Mark Paul. And I said, what does this mean? Like, does it mean she's done? Like, can she recover from this? Is she going to be able to play? Like, um, you know, so we had those conversations. And I know a lot of the answers that I got were there's no blueprint for this. We kind of have to, like, you know, listen to her body, see how she does, and, you know, roll with things a little bit. Um, Kaylee would not ever let me think she wasn't playing, wasn't coming back, wasn't going to be there. Like, she never never went that direction and and I hope I never gave her the impression that we were moving on without her so um, the difficult part for our coaching staff is that we don't have access to them in the summer uh, that basically the athlete has to come to the office for us to have interaction with them and even that we can't be talking volleyball or you know whatever we don't have summer access so Kaylee sees the athletic trainer she sees the strength coach she sees her teammates and that's a, that's a hard place to be when we want to help, we want to serve, we want to be there for her. Um, so we're relying on Kaylee's communication about a lot of this, and thankfully Kaylee was the, the role model for how to communicate with coaches. I think that this illness brought her closer to the coaching staff, and I think both of my assistants um, were not just there for her, but were amazing in how available they were for Kaylee to talk through stuff or just to – you know, just to be really relatable for her. Um, but I appreciate all the communication that she had with our entire coaching staff. Now, Kaylee, for you to get the diagnosis, you just mentioned you're very proactive in your, your thought process. Like, what's the treatment plan? Let's take care of these next steps. But how do you balance in that moment the, the physical toll that it takes along with the, the mental side of things? Because at the end of the day, I mean, leukemia is a scary thing, right? So how do you balance the physical toll in addition to the mental anguish that comes with that to still power through everything? So mentally was the toughest because I never really wanted to listen to my body. I always wanted to be like full practice, no modifications, no like breaks at all. But once I had, it was kind of just trial and error. So once I had a few bad days was when I needed, I like started to realize you have to accept this. You have to accept the difference because you don't want to feel like this every day. You don't want to have four days off because you went hard one day. So to balance it, I just kind of saw it as 
even if I'm not doing everything on the court every day, the minimum I can is one, I am there, two, doing whatever amount I needed to, to be there every single day and not have to have as many off days or not have to wake up and feel awful. Then yeah. Walk me through the treatment process. So for treatment, when we had finally figured out what plan I was going to do, I didn't go full blood transfusions or the normal kind of route. I did medication every single day I took in the morning. And then every two weeks I would go to the hospital, either a Thursday or a Friday, and then do the blood transfusion, which would knock me out for like three to four days. Yeah, that is a lot to go through. And with that, you have to have a support network behind you. So who all was in the support network and how crucial were they to, to you getting through it? So my mom, well, my mom is a single mom, so she, and I'm her only child. So she was always on the phone with me, told me every single day she could fly out, she would be there. I had my grandparents. I'm also their only grandchild. So my, their world is me basically. And then I had my boyfriend would come over after work and help me through a lot of things, just kind of like, my support when my mom wasn't there. And then there was the coaching staff and everyone at Boise State that knew. It was beyond tremendous how much they did for me and how many times that they told me, well, we're here for you. If you need anything, we can bring you dinner. We can bring you, if you need Gatorade, electrolytes, anything. It was every single day and I never had to feel alone because of their support. Coach, you mentioned it earlier, but what was the support like from your perspective to see the assistant coaches and, and everyone step up? How inspiring was that to see people in the Boise State community get behind Kaylee? Yeah, it wasn't wasn't surprising just knowing the character of our assistant coaches. So I keep just referring to them as assistants, but Candy Murphy, Haley Peterson, they were just outstanding with this. I think that they had each maybe related this to something that had happened more closely in their family. And um, they they wanted to make sure that they were very much there for Kaylee. My assistants are very competitive people; like they want to win matches. But there's there's they're not putting that ahead of the care. You know, it doesn't matter if you're starting matches or sitting on the bench. Like we still care about you. And and I think this was an example of that. That even if Kaylee was going to be out, it's going to be modified. She was still going to get our full attention. Um, I remember, you know, as Kaylee was talking about, people were willing to bring her stuff. Um, <laughs> My family ended up finding the um, humidifier that made a difference for Kaylee, and it was something that my kids grew up with. Was it the shape of a frog, Kaylee? Yeah, Freddy yeah. the Frog. Freddy the Frog. That's yep. incredible. Freddy. Is that the brand name, or did, did you name it, Freddie? I, I just named, named it. it. Yeah, That's Kaylee <laughs> named it. Um, but, uh, yeah, the frog was taken over to Kaylee's place and made a difference for her for a while. It's been returned since, but... Um, I, I know that that's something that we did for her, but I know my assistants were, you know, going over and giving her stuff and, you know, just whatever she needed or at least making themselves available if she did need anything else. And um, the, the care that is that is surrounding our program, not just with our coaching staff, but with our athletic trainers and, and the sports supervisors and all the administration that, that were able to get to know Kaylee a little bit better through this process were awesome. So the spoiler alert is, is you're good now. You're, 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 you've recovered from the leukemia, which is amazing, but I know that's not a, a straight line from the diagnosis to the recovery. How many ups and downs and ebbs and flows were there during that process to getting better to where you are today? 
Uh, there was quite a few. It started with, like I said, trial and error. So those were kind of ups and downs. But within a few months, we kind of got it down to a key of what was going to be the base of what we did. It was really just dependent on my body. And then it came to the point, I think the worst one was when I couldn't fly anymore. Because then that was I couldn't travel with the team. I could be there for home games. However, I also wasn't there for most of them because my body was just starting to tell me that we are going to, this is kind of taking over in a way. So even though I had tried, it was, that one took a real mental toll on me because I didn't lose the game, but I lost a lot. Well, that's what it felt like. I felt like I lost a ton of me and like a part of me because my life consisted of waking up, hoping you can do simple movements, like get out of bed, walk around, be okay and not get dizzy and having five to six days off and one day maybe on campus versus my six days on campus and one day off campus. How much is there to unpack when you look back at the identity that you've built up as this college athlete and not being able to have the output you're used to, not be able to have it, I mean, not even the daily functions, let alone the elite athleticism. How do you overcome that side of things? Honestly, that was a lot of mental. That was, you really needed a good support system, which I had, because every day I was reminded that I was a part of the team. Every day I was reminded that I will be able to come back from this. And there were times that I was worried that I wasn't going to be the best I was or how bad was this going to take on me that made maybe something take longer. So honestly, that was pretty, I would say pretty rough. But just keeping like the mindset that I was going to come back kind of just made it so I could push through even when odds were against me, even when I was in the hospital, that it was just kind of like a vision. At some point, you realized things were turning for the better. The light at the end of the tunnel got brighter. What was that moment, and when did you really feel like, oh, this is not just a goal, it's going to happen as far as getting better and getting healthy? So that was in December. I went home early. I didn't stay here on campus because I wanted to put everything into treatment because I knew if I couldn't play anymore, I'm not going to keep the same like structure, basically. I might as well go home and fight this as hard as I can. So with that being said, it was Christmas, it was the day after Christmas that it was, I was going to be okay. They were like, my blood counts had come down to a still abnormal level, but way better than before. And everything was just starting to fall in line, like the ducks in the row. And then in the beginning of January was when my blood count came back that there was no tumor. We had... The cancer was basically out for the majority of what was hurting. So then after that, that's when my life just kind of took a better turn because I knew I was going to, I was one step closer to being back where I was without limitations. What was the response from grandparents, mom? I mean, the only grandkid, only child, I'm sure a flood of emotions, all positive, but how intense is that? I mean, you're around the holidays, emotions are heightened to begin with, and you finally see that light at the end of the tunnel as a family. Um, My grandparents were overjoyed because they were worried the whole time. Like, I'm their girl. They wanted to make sure I was okay. So when that happened, they were just super excited because they knew I was going to go back to college, and they knew they were going to get to see me again one day out there. And then my mom, of course, she's, like, my biggest supporter, so she was super-duper thrilled. She still is on me constantly to make sure if I have something wrong, go get checked, go get this. Like, so she's still on me about it, a little more proactive about it. However, she's super excited. 
from a staff perspective, I know at some point you're not even concerned about the player, Kaylee. You're concerned about the person. And so when you find out things are looking up, you don't have to worry long-term about health. How does that shift your, your approach and your feel about the whole situation? Yeah, that's such an interesting question because Kaylee won't let me forget about the player, Kaylee. Um, she wants to play. She wants to compete. She wants to get out there. Um, but we also we have more conversations with Kaylee than most about how's the how's the eating, you know, is the nutrition there? Because that was a really big challenge for her when she was trying to play while taking serious medication. Um, it was it was zapping her appetite. It was hard for her to get good sleep. Uh, those rest periods were hard, and so that's kind of how the season started this year. She had the clear. Um, or clean bill of health, and she was ready to get back in the gym. But it doesn't mean she had the energy level to go twice a day, six days a week, and really train uh, like she wanted to. So we still have to kind of work with her, be willing to modify some things when we have to. Um, but you know, I I do see her, I do see her in a in a special place. I know what she's gone through. I know the sacrifices she's made, and I respect how hard she's worked to get back to this. There's no player in our gym that wants it at the level that Kaylee has. You know, we have a lot of kids that have come back from injuries, volleyball related, but to overcome the things that she's had um, and to prioritize being a college athlete and getting back on the court with her teammates at the level that she has, it just makes it really special. Kaylee, for you, why? And I know that's, that's a broad question, but I think a lot of people in your shoes would have just said, I'm going to take care of, of my health. And then as soon as I'm better, I'm volleyball is the least thing, least important thing in my mind. So why was it so important for you to keep volleyball as a part of your identity, as a part of your, your rehabilitation and your recovery? So like I said, in high school, it wasn't really my big thing. Softball was my thing and volleyball was kind of just there. I didn't know if I wanted to pursue it. And then after freshman year, traveling, being with the teammates and doing pretty well, it made it more fun. It was like, I don't want to give up sports. Sports have been my whole life. I wanted to keep going. And I think that was the real like drive for it. I also knew that volleyball was such a big thing, especially with the people around it and who's involved in it, that that was going to be able to keep me from like my mind deteriorating. Like if I just gave it up kind of thing and just went and did the cancer treatment did the whole days and stuff. I feel the days would have been longer and I wouldn't have had something not to live for, but to look forward to something to drive me harder to get better. I'm going to jump to something you said there that caught me off guard. You said softball was your primary sport. <laughs> you would be the tallest collegiate softball player I think I've ever seen. So what was your softball game and why did you move away from it? So I played softball since I was six. Um, every year I played on, I was first base and I loved it just because you could be aggressive. Like I just like to be aggressive on some of the girls. And also it was just fun for me. I loved the snack bar um, at every tournament. <laughs> and that was kind of my thing. And then in high school, we were, we were pretty decent, but it was kind of sophomore-ish year was when I had to make the decision that I was like I wanted to switch clubs, and after that, I knew switching clubs was going to mean a lot more commitment. Whether it be going further, different tournaments, lots of missing, and then I ended up still playing softball in with my new club. However, I knew I had to kind of lay back on the softball because I didn't see that taking me to college. That is fascinating. I like that the snack bar was the highlight. And now as a college athlete, you've got a whole fueling station of snack options, maybe healthier options. But what is 
the best option in the snack bar or the fueling station that we have at Boise State? Um, okay, popcorn for sure. And then in the fueling station, it would be string cheese and chocolate milk. Yeah, those are all. That's coach approved, yeah. Kaylee is historically bad at choosing her uh, her meals. Um, like, we have laughed many, many times about, like, that is not going to fuel your machine. You know, like, you're a big, strong athlete. You have to feed that thing. And Kaylee uh, is a snacker a lot more than, than uh, we'd like her to be. So, yeah, the fact that she even knows where the fueling station is is a positive. Um, but the road trips when we're, you know, all the meals are kind of designed on, is this post-match recovery, is this pre-match fuel? Uh, Kaylee is... Uh, She's not getting the things that she likes all the time. Yeah, popcorn's a great snack, but that, that's probably not the best pre or right. post. I remember when she visited, um, I ordered what she ordered. We had tomato soup for dinner. Just just, just oh, yeah. tomato soup? Oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, I was like, all right, I'll get that too. And I'm thinking, like, there has to be more. Like, how did you get this big and strong, you know? But, yeah, she is fueled by the minimum. That. Did that raise any red flags? You're, you're, did you um, feel uncomfortable eating more than a cup of soup? Uh, we've had, I mean, we've had kids that have always ordered off the children's menu until they got here or they, they grew up on grilled cheese or whatever. Um, so as it's a process. But I would say um, Kaylee has opened up her palate a little bit. I don't think she knew what a palate was a couple of years ago, but it's getting better. Um, this illness has, has opened her eyes to a lot of different things. You know, there's another thing about this is when she was battling all this, we were also highly concerned about COVID. So not only are we trying to like fuel her body and keep her healthy, but we're also kind of keeping her in a safe bubble because her immune system was weakened. And so like how much did she try to educate herself about what she could eat that could help, you know, replace some things uh, that her body was missing. She, she sacrificed a lot on that side. I know she tried foods that she had never had any desire to have before because she just knew it was something that was better for her body. That's incredible. And, and to bring it back to a more serious tone, I mean, we're talking timeline. This is, happened a while ago. So many others in your position wouldn't want to share this. And you took a while to share this. So why is now the right time to to tell your story? Yeah, I think today, oh, wow, let me start over. I think that this is the right time to tell my story because when I was going through it, it was a lot. And I know I had a good firm support system, so I didn't need to kind of just express it. I wasn't looking for the media attention. I wasn't looking for anything except for to get better and to get back on the court. That was my main priority. And now that it's over and I'm still just like rebuilding type thing, I like the fact that I can be able to help others because I know that I did not want to share. I did not want to be um, on the forefront while going through it. So if there's people out there that are going through it but don't want to share or have gone through it and just didn't have like either the courage or even the want to share, I think my story can impact others and help them know that if you have a dream like I had with volleyball, you don't have to give it up even when there's a big like bump in the path. Now, Sean, I know you've talked about this before, you know, to, to reporters and, and off camera and everything. You have the utmost respect for her approach and how she's, she's handled things in the past, how she continues to handle things today. What did you think when you saw Kaylee take the approach she did and what does it mean to you to be hosting this Leukemia Awareness Night on Thursday? Yeah, so going back to how did it, you know, how did I approach it? I really reached out to a lot of other people. I think I had mentioned before the medical staff, but also coaches. Um, I had Googled athletes with leukemia, and I found a story about a basketball player in Texas. 
And I went and I asked Leon Rice and Tim Durier and Mike Burns, a basketball staff here at Boise State, I said, you guys know the coach down there? Do you know this kid? And Leon knew the kid and the family, and he had briefly recruited him. And I never got to the point where I talked to the Texas coaching staff about it, but just in talking to Leon about it um, just helped me, you know, kind of put put something relatable out there like, okay, so this kid was 100% healthy, then he went through this, then he played again. The difference that I remember for Kaylee at the time is she was playing during treatment or she was giving it a go during treatment. Now she gets to play in recovery, and that's what what the Texas kid had done. And he had a successful career um, as a Big 12 basketball player. So I know that there's, there's a pathway for her to get there. Um, I think we just supported her through this process. I, I said earlier she would not have let me consider that she wasn't going to be back and that she wasn't going to be full strength and kicking butt again. So, you know, she kept driving it, and we just kept supporting her. And now that we're at the point where we're going to celebrate it, that is, that's a growth and maturity on Kaylee's part to, to see it as bigger than just her and to share with others. And since the story started coming out, since Boise State started to put her story out there this week, I've heard from two other coaches that I know that have had players that have battled through similar situations. Nobody as specific as it's leukemia, but maybe some type of cancer or something like that. Um, and, and I did not know that. And I don't think if Carrie, if if Kaylee's story wasn't shared, I don't think I would have ever known that other coaches have gone through something like that. So uh, that's been pretty cool, and, I, and the, that all kind of relates to why Kaylee wants to get it out there because she wants to help others and, and be more relatable. How has the reception been? I mean, we put out a, a brilliant couple of videos, and you have a press conference today. What has the reception been? What have you heard back the more that you share your story? Yeah, so that video, Alex Bell is amazing, and he did such a great job on both videos, actually. And honestly, I was kind of just not checking the phone at first because I was, like, more so nervous of how people were going to take it. I knew I was going to have support because Bronco Nation is so supportive. However, I was just kind of a little concerned. And last night was when I had saw everyone. I saw it on Boise State Volleyball. I saw a lot of... Um, higher up, like Jeremiah Dickey and Mike Walsh and all of them retweet and quote it. Um, and then I saw NCAA Volleyball had retweeted it. And it was just, it meant a lot because I knew after seeing how many people had viewed it, it wasn't about the likes or the comments for me. It was about having others view it so they could reach out and they could be around and see that it was, it was challenging, but it was able to be done. What could you possibly have been nervous about? I mean, you come off amazing in those videos. I was a little nervous on how people were going to react because I know that I kept it a secret. I know that it wasn't one of those things that I involved a lot of people. So in my mind, I'm always a worst case scenario thinker. So in my mind, I didn't know if people were going to be like upset that they weren't involved in that during the time or upset. Like, why is it now? Why is the time type thing? Fair enough. I, I, I think, and I could probably speak for Sean, that's some quality overthinking, but I understand. I, it, it's wonderful. It's, it's an incredible story. I think it's, uh, it is inspiring, and not everyone would talk about it. So kudos to you. Uh, I do want to ask Sean, you speak so highly of Kaylee. What do you want people to know about her? Obviously, we're talking a lot about the leukemia, the rehab, but there's so much more to her as a person. What do people need to know? Yeah, I, I like how open she was to taking this leap of faith, coming up here to Boise State to play volleyball, to trust our coaching staff, to trust that her experience here was going to be the right the right fit. And even though she's dealt with all this adversity, she has battled back to get herself back on the court, 
for the Broncos to help her team be successful. And um, that is that is worth her support. And I and I know everybody's going to give it to her, but it's it's genuine coming from the coaching staff that we're just super proud of how much she's been through, how resilient she's been, and we can't wait to see her back out there succeeding. Kaylee, from your perspective, what do you hope people take away from your story? I really hope that a lot of people, like little kids or even just athletes in general, I <coughs> hope that they know that, yes, our bodies hurt. Yes, they are. It's long days, honestly. But if there is something really wrong and it's not going away, don't ignore it. And also for the ones that are growing and just kind of feeling like they don't belong or there's something else, like you can always accomplish something if you set your mind to it. So, Kaylee, to, to wrap this up, you're coming off Mountain West Tournament Team Championship. So I'll ask you, while Garris is here, Boise State wins another championship in women's volleyball if what? If we put our mind to it. Easy enough. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for your time. We appreciate it. Good luck on Thursday. We're excited to see the orange jerseys in full effect. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Thank you to Sean Garris and Kaylee Pau for being our guests today. The strength she carries and the positive outlook she has is incredibly rare and remarkably impressive. If you're in the Boise area, I cannot recommend enough that you attend Thursday evening's volleyball match. It's the first conference matchup of the season as they take on New Mexico with first serve at 7 p.m. Tickets will go fast, so get there early or buy your tickets in advance. You can also watch on the Mountain West Network if you're out of state. Elsewhere in Bronco Athletics, the football team has a Friday night matchup in El Paso against the UTEP Miners. Soccer is at home facing UNLV in Nevada. Women's tennis is hosting the Barb Chandler Classic. And the volleyball team has their second game of their homestand against Air Force on Saturday afternoon. As always, please share off the blue with anyone who appreciates Boise State Athletics. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Bronco Sports Podcast Network. That does it for this week. We'll see you next time.